We've been in a sermon series previously on the big C, little c, and now we're in the book of Ephesians, seeing how the big C, believers in Christ, and also the church, the gathered, the local little c, can be alive and not dead. And so if you have your Bibles with you today, start turning to Ephesians chapter 1. We're studying this book verse by verse, and actually right now, word by word. As we've been digging into what the Holy Spirit gave to Paul to give to the little C, uh, the churches in that region, to understand who they were as the big C, we've come to discover that we are saints. How many of you feel like a saint this morning? All right, You may not feel it, but you are a saint if you know the Lord. We're going to come back and look at that in a moment. How many of you would say this morning, I'm blessed? Anybody confessing that you're blessed today? A few? All right. Should be more than that. We're going to see in Scripture what it means to be blessed. So let's dig in. Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints. Remember, we've studied the last two weeks the difference between the ain'ts and the saints. Uh, The saints are those who are in Christ, those who have been transformed. A saint isn't what you think of when you hear the word saint. We grew up believing a saint was somebody who was more spiritual, a super saint, uh, somebody who was almost flawless or perfect. No, a saint is somebody who once was a sinner, has experienced God's grace, and now they are a new person, a new creation, and the Bible says we are called the saints of God. We ain't what we used to be. We ain't sinners, but we are saints, but we're saints who still struggle with sin in this world and sin in our lives. It's still a struggle, but that doesn't define us anymore. Quit clinging to the title, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You're more than that. That's why Paul didn't write to the sinner saved by grace in Ephesus. He wrote to the saints. Realize that being a saint does not mean you are perfect. But being a saint means that you are a child of the king, and the king is working in your life as his child, and he is conforming you into his image, that he is perfecting the work that he began in you. Now, as we go through the book of Ephesians, I want to challenge you not just to be familiar with this great book called Ephesians. I don't want you to just listen in on the sermons. I want you to learn how to study God's Word. That's why in this sermon series, we're not just covering the book. We're covering what God has revealed word by word by word. In our emphasis called one-on-one with God, it is a small group strategy outside of our ABF, Sunday morning, Sunday school, ABF groups. It's men and women getting together, even our young people, in smaller groups and digging into God's Word one-on-one with God. As we studied that over the last couple of years, we saw three P's, and I want you to write these down because these are good disciplines to have as you study the Word of God. The first thing we do is we ponder. We ponder. In other words, it's kind of like you're at uh, you're a private eye and you're at a crime scene, and there are all these uh, clues, all these details at the scene, and you need to put those pieces together to solve the mystery. Well, God's Word is giving us insight, holy insight, into the mysteries of God's grace. And we need to not just read the Bible. We don't need to just be familiar with the Scriptures, but we need to let those Scriptures move from our minds to our hearts. We do that as we ponder. It's like breaking out a magnifying glass and letting it be magnified so we can see more detail. 
If you take a look at this next, we also then will take what we ponder, we will turn that into a picture, and then we'll pray about it. So we're going to practice that in a minute. Uh, this is some notes that I have from my one-on-one -on -one group on Thursdays with some great guys who've been great friends in my life in Iron Sharpening Iron. And as we started several weeks ago in the book of Ephesians, this is just the first couple of verses already that I've been pondering on. And you can see why we're going at a slow pace. There's so much more to be seen than just reading through chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, but taking Scripture and highlighting and circling and, 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 and letting the Holy Spirit speak to you through His Word. I give that to you as an example to just hopefully elevate the time you spend in God's Word. So using that, that's how I pondered. Then what we do is we stop and we turn that into picture. So one of the things we see in Ephesians 1 is that we are the saints and we've learned as we studied that word saints that saints mean we are being perfected into the image of the one who has transformed us from a sinner to a new creature in Christ. We also saw last week that I'm a saint because I've been clothed in his righteousness, not mine, not my own works, not that I'm perfect, but my perfect God has clothed me in his perfect righteousness. So here's my picture, and we're going to pray about this. Because if we're not careful, we can process sermons, we can process a devotion, we can take note, oh, I'm a saint, and we can declare that as a word, but not embrace it as our truth. And so when God speaks through his word, it's not a holy monologue, it's designed to become a holy dialogue. That as God speaks into our lives, as he speaks his truth to us, we need to receive it from heaven, and we need to dialogue about that truth. So as we ponder... We might turn that into, we might frame that truth and then talk to God about that truth. So what I want you to do, if you know Christ, you're a saint. And in a moment, I want you to frame that in a picture I'm about to give you. If you're not in Christ, if you're not, maybe you're here and I'm thankful that you're here seeking truth and, and I'm thankful that you would be willing to see what has God said in his word. I did that for nine months with Cammie as we were dating. And you might be here and you don't fully understand who Christ is. Keep seeking and say, God, show me who you are. Let that be your prayer here in a moment. But I want us to pray. And here's my picture. Here's how I frame that truth of a saint. We saw last week that I once was a sinner. I was separated from a holy God in my sin. But as I give my life to Christ, I'm now placed in Christ. And now his righteousness covers me. And a great picture of that's found back at Passover in Egypt. Who was saved from the spirit of death in Egypt? It wasn't just Israel. It wasn't the children of Abraham. It was those who received the promise of God, declared by God, and they placed the blood of the lamb over their homes. If there was an Israelite in that moment who didn't trust God's word, didn't place their faith in the blood, they would have experienced death that very evening just like the Egyptians. So it isn't because they were of Abraham's seed, they were of faith like Abraham. And that says the same about a saint. I'm not perfect, he is. But in Christ, I'm covered in his robe of righteousness. So here's my picture. When I was a little kid, kids like to get into, girls might try to get into mom's closet and put on her shoes and her clothes. Guys might put on dad's big old size 12s or whatever. And they don't fit, they ain't ours but we like to pretend we're bigger than we are. 
That's kind of my picture that as a saint, I'm not showing up in my clothes, I'm in his clothes. I'm in his righteousness. So I want you to practice with me what we've pondered so far through Ephesians and just stop for a moment. We don't normally do this in a sermon, but let's do it together. Let's pray in your own way to God, in your own picture, and dialogue about the fact that you're now a saint. It might sound something like this. Go ahead and bow your heads. You can pray how you want, but here's my prayer. Lord, thank you that I'm clothed in your clothes, your righteousness. Lord, my righteousness is like filthy rags, but God, you have transformed me from a sinner to a saint. Praise be to you, my heavenly Father. That's my dialogue. What's yours? Pray for a moment. That truth that you're a saint, talk to God about it, and I'll close this. Father, you've heard the prayers of your children. And Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, reveal yourself today. May today be the day of salvation in their life. But for those of us who've been saved from our sin, who have now been declared to be saints in your robes of righteousness, God, we give you the glory. May we truly be that in this earth, light and darkness, saints, pointing people to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's look at the rest of verse 1 as we continue to ponder. And as you ponder these truths, take these home with you and dialogue with God. Uh, Spend time talking with him about what he is speaking to you about. So look at what else God wants you to see today. We're in verse 1. That's as far as we've gotten, but there's more to verse 1. Look at it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to who? To who? You have to make up for some who aren't here in sickness today. To the saints who are at Ephesus who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now stop there. If you don't ponder, if you don't put a magnifying glass on that, you'll just read that as some formal phraseology. It's just Paul being nice to these saints. It's Paul giving a salutation. No, no, no. It's Paul revealing theology, who God is and who God is in you. Notice we've talked about who we are as saints The saints are those who are faithful. Notice it doesn't say for Christ or for God. But the saints who are in Christ. There's a big difference. When we get saved, I did this when I first was saved. I still struggle with it even as I preach God's truth. You probably struggle with it. Our theology before we're saved is this. God is holy, I'm not. And the only way a holy God could like somebody like me is I've got to work for it. My good has to outweigh my bad, and so I start going to church. I start doing good things. I quit doing as many bad things, even though I still do bad things. And my good outweighs my bad, and hopefully that's good enough for God. Bad theology. And all of a sudden, we come under the teaching of God's Word, and we realize we can't be saved by our own works. It's by the work of Christ. We submit to that. We ask God to forgive us. We are saved. And then as we are now a saint, this new creation We go back to our old theology. Now that I'm saved, i got to do all these things for God. Man, I did that. The first few years of my Christianity, I was so busy trying to make up for all my years I had lost in my sin. And I was trying to do all these things for God. And I wasn't experiencing the joy of salvation. I didn't understand the difference between trying to live for God and just living in God. 
That's something God had to teach Paul because, you see, Paul had spent the first years of his life trying to do things for God. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was the most religious guy on the planet. He was doing, as a matter of fact, he was killing Christians for God, in God's name. He was trying to drive out this cult, these heretics, for God, for God, for God. And then he met God and he became a saint. Not a Pharisee, a sinner, a religious sinner. He became a saint. And in that, here's what Paul said. Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. He understood the difference of being in Christ and Christ being in him versus trying to live for God. Paul reminds him here in this salutation. He says, know that you are saints and notice that you are faithful, not faithful for God, you're faithful in Christ. It's Christ who produces faith in you. It's Christ that makes you faithful. It's Christ alive in your faith. Let's learn the reality that Paul also said in Romans 7. In Romans 7, 14, he said, there's nothing good that dwells in me. If we could be good enough, if we could do stuff for God, we wouldn't need God. God wouldn't have to live in us. But the Holy Spirit lives in us because we can't be good enough. We can't do anything spiritual for God, but God can do the spiritual as we live in him. Jesus taught it this way. You know it, John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you abide for me, in me, I will abide in you and you will bear great fruit. The fruit of the Christian life doesn't come from me doing things for God. It comes from God being alive in me. By me being grafted into Christ, now Christ is alive in me, and that's the difference between being alive or being spiritually dead. The branch does not produce the fruit. The branch doesn't determine, say, you know what, this year... I know last year I was grapes, this year I'm going to be oranges for God. No, I am a result of what I am grafted into. The vine determines the fruit, not the branch, but the branch does not bear fruit unless the branch is in the vine. Christ said, I am that vine, abide in me, and I in you. What does it mean to be in Christ? What's the value of that? Well, let's dig in on it. Go over to Galatians now. Go to Galatians. Back up a book. You remember how to find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Old trick of the youth ministry days is either General Electric Power Company or Go Eat Popcorn, G-E-P-C. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Hopefully that helped somebody this morning. Find Galatians chapter 3. How do you find Galatians chapter 3? You find Galatians chapter 2, and then it's the next chapter. Hopefully that helped someone even more. Verse 26. For you are all sons of God. How? Because you came to church today? Because you were faithful to come to church? Because you were faithful this week to have a quiet time? No, you are sons of God through faith in Christ. It's not what we manufacture or what we do for God. It is simply being in relationship with Christ. I am in him and he is in me. For you all were baptized into Christ, having clothed yourselves with Christ. There's the picture again. I'm a saint. I'm in Christ. 
not in my sin anymore. I'm clothed in Christ. His righteousness covers me. I'm not trying to be righteous for God. God's righteousness is becoming real in my life every day, and I experience that as I submit to him and I abide in him. Go over to Colossians. See if you can find that now. G-E-P-C. Flip over a few books, find Colossians chapter 3, and look again at the teaching, what it means to be in Christ. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things that are here on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He reminds them that this new life they have is a new result of being in Christ, not in sin. I'm now a saint because I'm in Christ. I have a new life, and in that new life, I have a Christ who lives in me, and my life is not hidden in my own works. It's hidden in Christ. And here's the beautiful result of that. You can look on the screen. You don't have time to turn here. Look at Romans 8.1 on the screen. I told you about Romans 7 when Paul said, listen, there's nothing good in me. If I'm trying to be good for God, I'm missing it because nothing good's in my flesh. But he gets to the next chapter, even though it wasn't written in chapters, he gets to the next thought and he says, but here's the reality. I once was condemned in my sin. What does he mean condemned? I was under the penalty. The wages of sin is death. I was condemned. I was guilty. Before a holy God in the holy courtroom of all of eternity, I was guilty as a sinner but through grace, the Bible says I'm not in this place. He has put me in a new condition. That in Christ, I'm no longer condemned. For those who are in Christ Jesus, they've been set free. In Christ, there is no condemnation. Satan wants you to think, well, the way you get God's favor is you do things for God. Now, can I tell you why we do things for God? Because God's alive in us. Because God is at work through us. We don't get it, do it for God. We do it because we're in Christ. We're no longer condemned. We are filled with Christ, and Christ lives through us. So to the saints in Christ, that's who this letter's written to. That's who we're supposed to be, saints abiding in Christ. Now, get real excited. Let's move forward. Let's go to another verse. Go to verse 3. For those who are in Christ, the saints, I want you to see the next result. Verse 3. For blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I want you to take 30 seconds, maybe less. I want you to look at verse 3. Hopefully you have a copy of Scripture. You're not going to be able to underline it on your phone or your iPad. You might have to write it down on a piece of paper. You might have to take some note of it. But put a magnifying glass on verse 3 and what things jump out at you? What words, what phrases, what truth do you find in verse 3, truths for the saints? Go ahead, look at it quickly, see what jumps out at you. Write those things down. You have some sermon notes, hopefully. You can find one of those communication cards in the seat backs. You can write on one of those if you have to. What jumps out the truth that God is sharing from heaven to you, the saints? 
Hopefully you've had time to look at that. Let me help you with it. Here are a few things that jump out as I put a magnifying glass on it. The one thing I would pray, uh, circle or underline, uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, underline who has blessed us. Who has blessed us? In other words, we realize that as saints in Christ, we are blessed. I want to talk about that this morning. What does it mean we are blessed? Well, the first thing is blessings come from God. That's the first thing you ought to know. Blessings don't come from anywhere else but God. If you want real blessing to know what blessings are, they come from God, number one. Number two, what is true, what God has declared as truth in Scripture, Satan always has a twisted lie related to the truth. He tries to take what is true and he tries to flip it. He tries to twist it or distort it. He did that in the garden. He continues on today. He doesn't manufacture new lies. He just lies about the truth. So how can he lie about verse 3? Well, he does it in two ways. Number one, he will try to get you to believe that your blessings come from this earth. From things that happen in this physical realm. That'll be one way he lies about this. Because the truth is, all blessings come from God. It doesn't come from this earth. The second thing he'll lie about is about the God who blesses. He'll lie to you and he'll say, you know, if you look in the mirror and you get real honest, you ain't no saint. And we buy into that lie. Because we fall short of God's glory. We're still a work in progress. And he loves to highlight our mess. And so he'll lie to you and say, you ain't no saint. And as a result, you know what? God can't bless you. God won't bless you. Matter of fact, God's out to get you. He's a lightning bolt God. And verse 3 tells me we have a heavenly father. And yes, he takes sin seriously. Yes, there's the discipline of the father. That's a whole other sermon. But I want you to understand, God is a good father. And he is the Father who blesses us, but we got to understand what a blessing is. Every blessing comes from the Father. And I want you to notice the second thing. Notice what a blessing is. Look at it. Who has blessed us with, here's the next thing that ought to jump out, every spiritual blessing. He doesn't just stay generic with it and say, oh, God's a God who blesses. That's the TV preacher. That's the one that gets you to send him more money because that sounds good. And he's going to bless you. And that means you got a date to the prom this year. That means you get a really cool car when you turn 16. That means you get a promotion at work. God's going to bless you. Those aren't spiritual blessings necessarily. Those are earthly things that we call blessings. What is the definition of a blessing? According to this, it is anything that draws us closer to God and glorifies God in the spiritual realm. It might happen and be triggered in this physical realm, but it is something that God allows, God does in your life for his glory. It's much different than what we accuse of a blessing. For example, I asked you earlier, how many of you are blessed? A few hands went up, mainly because you're a little tired today. I get it. And when somebody asks you, you may, and it doesn't happen as much with this generation as it did in the first service. In the first service, it's easy. They have a phrase they've used their whole lifetime. Oh, the good Lord has blessed me. I'm blessed. That's a little bit of an old phrase. You may use it, or you may have heard grandma and grandpa use it. A phrase, oh, the good Lord has blessed me. What does that mean? Well, we'll say it, for example, when a tornado comes through. I've used this example with you before. And it misses our house. And we see people get on TV all the time. Oh, man, God blessed us. 
we didn't lose our house in a tornado. Well, does that mean God cursed the ones who lost their house? No, that means that's where the tornado tracked. They got there. And I'm not minimizing God's protection. I know God works miracles even in weather and different things. But our blessings are not of this realm. But we tie it to everything that happens. I'm blessed because I got a raise this week at work. I'm blessed because I got a new girlfriend or boyfriend. Those are things that happen on this earth, and those are good things. But those aren't real blessings. If you're finding your blessings on this earth, you will always be disappointed. You will always, always be dissatisfied. Our blessings are spiritual. Let me illustrate it this way. A really, really sweet family this last week gave us tickets to the OU Texas game. This is Cammie and I at the game. We used to go to this game when we were dating in high school. I could do the math for you, but it was decades ago that we used to go every year with her dad and her family to the OU Texas. It was so cool. It was so awesome. And those were the 80s, and that's when OU was just killing everybody. It was easy to want to be at the game. And somebody gave us tickets to this game, and I wasn't sure if it was a blessing or a curse. We were excited to go down and do something we hadn't done for a long, long time. And, and so that part was cool, getting to go to the fair and be down there and go to a game. was. But I really wasn't necessarily looking forward to the game. And man, what a game that turned out to be. It was incredible. It was a once-in-a-lifetime game. Now, I could stand here today and I could have said, you guys, we were blessed to go to the OU Texas game. And you'd get it. You'd say, yeah, man, wish I could have gone. Hopefully you would say that. And, and, and you would love to have been there in that moment, right? Now, what if that sweet family had said, well, I don't think Bill and Cammie need those tickets. We're going to give them to our neighbors because they've moved here from Texas. <laughs> those same two seats, those same two tickets given to those people do you think they saw it as a blessing yesterday? I don't think so. You see how fragile we are with blessings and curses. The things of this earth, guys, I am so glad that my blessings are not determined on a scoreboard or the standings in a particular conference. I'm glad and blessed in Christ. And what God has declared in his word is way more important than what's declared on a scoreboard. Are we blessed? Let's talk about what it means to be blessed. Christians are blessed in Christ because we have spiritual blessings. God has saved us out of this being a sinner in need of grace to now being a saint who has the gift of God's grace. And in that, here's the difference. The difference is I'm not perfect and I once was really not perfect. No, I'm being perfected, but here's what it is. I'm now a spiritual being. In my sin, I was spiritually dead. In Christ, I'm alive. That's our whole theme of this sermon series. What does it mean to be alive in Christ? I have a new life. I'm now a spiritual child of God. And that word spiritual in the Greek is... I'm not even going to be able to say it right. I don't know Greek language. I'm not going to say the word right. I'll let, I'll let Josh help us with the pronunciation. But it's from the same root word as the Holy Spirit. Spiritual blessings 
or the reality that now I'm a spiritual being, I can experience a holy God doing holy things in my life. That's the greatest blessing on this planet. Way better than this weekend is eternity. Way better than anything I can get on this earth is being able to be a part of the heavenlies. Spiritual blessings. So that word for spiritual literally means another sphere, an invisible sphere where the Holy Spirit imparts faith, reveals who Christ is, he gifts us spiritually, he gives us spiritual wisdom. It's this whole new realm above and beyond this earth. It is a heavenly blessing you have access to every day, but few people ever go there. We're too busy praying for God to bless us down here with this stuff, and we're not praying for God to bless us in the heavenlies, for us to receive spiritual wisdom, for us to be able to be spiritually gifted and make an impact in this world through the Spirit of God who is in us. Saints are not only blessed, but saints are supposed to be spiritual people. Look at Galatians 6.1. Turn over to Galatians 6.1. This concept of spiritual blessings, the Holy Spirit at work in his saints. In Galatians 6.1, he says, Brethren, if any one of you is caught in a trespass, in the family of God, as saints, we are not perfect. And Paul writes to them, and he teaches them how to live together. And he says, if you have somebody in the family, the family of God, who is caught in a trespass, they've fallen into sin... What do we do? Stone them? Kick them out? No, the Bible says, you who are spiritual. There's that same word. The same word with spiritual blessings talks about a people who the Spirit of God is working in. That doesn't mean, again, we are perfect, but it does mean we are connected with God and God is working in us. And there are times that some of us will struggle we will fall for the lies of the enemy and we will fall for a sin. And those who are experiencing a walk with the Holy Spirit are to minister to those who are not living in the Spirit. You who are spiritual, restore them in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Go over to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. Look at Paul's prayer here. He gave instructions in Galatians 6. He gives a prayer in Colossians 1 and verse 9, and we'll close with this. Look at it. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. Who's he writing to? Believers, saints. We've not ceased to pray for you and ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's not enough just to say, oh, I'm a saint, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. No, we are blessed to not be what we were, but to be children of God. And as children of God, in that blessing, we are blessed with the Spirit of God, and we are called to be spiritual beings, living above and beyond sin, and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and through our lives. That's where you find the blessing. He goes on in verse 10 to say, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects. I cannot please my God trying to be good for God. 
But as I live my life in Christ, and Christ lives through me, I experience the Spirit of God, and he imparts spiritual wisdom. He imparts the power of the Holy Spirit. And in that dynamic, that's where you find the blessing, living in the Spirit, not living in the things of this world. That's why Paul said earlier, elevate. Don't think on these things. These won't bless you. Your blessings are in the heavenly. Think above. 